he actually was able to grab hold of a limb. It's one of those roots limbs that's kind of shooting out from uh, the uh, actual hillside. And so as he finally was able to grab it, he grabbed it and he was able to be safe for the moment. But he knew that he couldn't stay there forever. He was just kind of hanging on off the cliff and uh, he couldn't see above him other than the sky. He couldn't see actually what he had just fallen from and looking down, he didn't want to go that direction. And so he just kind of stayed there for a moment, hanging on for his life. Finally, he decided, uh, well, I can't see what's up there on the ground level uh, at, at the top of this uh, cliff. And so who knows, maybe there's someone there. And so he decided to give it a shot. <laughs> and he shouted out, anybody up there? Anybody up there? And, and sure enough, a voice comes down. And the voice says, I'm up here. And the man says, great, great. Um, who are you? Can you help me out? And the voice comes back and says, I'm God. And the man was taken aback, but there he is holding on to the limb for dear life and looking down and at certain death. And he says, well, okay, I'll give this a shot. He says, well, okay, God, um, can you get me out of this spot here? And the Lord says, yes, I can on one condition. And the man says, well, I'm not in any real position to bargain here. So, okay, what is it? And God says, let go of the limb. And the man looks up at heaven and he looks back down at the ground and he's there and he finally responds and says, anybody else up there? <laughs> I told you it was a made up preacher's story, but that's, that's us. That's, that's who we are. That's who the Apostle Paul was. We can hang on to the limb of our own righteousness that's certain death, or we can do it God's way, but God will do it only one way, and that is if we let go of the limb. I don't know what the limb is that you're holding on to, uh, taking pride in your own obedience, your own righteousness, being afraid to let go of the limb and trust God completely. All I know is that's the only way he'll have it. For Paul, he learned that because he had a lot of righteousness of his own to trust in. And last Sunday, in this study of Philippians, we saw that in the first several verses of Philippians 3, beginning at verse 1. My brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. 
circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul never considered himself sinless, but he sought that justification through obedience to the law. And he said, look, if anybody wants to try to get there on their own righteousness, I can do it with the best of them. A Hebrew of Hebrews, um, a Pharisee of Pharisees, he says here, uh, of the tribe of Benjamin, as we said last week, one of the elite tribes, actually the tribe from which came the first king of Israel, King Saul. And yet it wasn't enough. Paul says, you want to argue, you Jews, about being righteous on your own? I can, I, can, I can hang in there with you. But the problem is there's, there's no justification, there's no righteousness that comes from hanging on to that limb, from hanging on to my own righteousness and my own obedience, because what Scripture tells us is unless you keep every bit of the law and do not fail on any point, then you're guilty of the whole law. And so Paul recognized that he he couldn't get there that way. He couldn't get there that way, and it took a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus, as Luke records in Acts chapter 9, and as Paul himself describes in Acts 22 and in Acts 26 and and he recognizes that as he tells his story here in Philippians 3 and in 1 Timothy 1 and in a few other places. And he tells people, I, I was doing my best to get there on my own and it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. He speaks of his own circumcision, his own Jewish heritage, the keeping of the law. And he speaks of the pride he took in himself and being as obedient as anyone could be and yet not completely there. And so as Paul does that, he, he says it wasn't enough. I had to let go of that limb. And I think as Paul talks in passages like this one and in the passages we'll look at in just a moment in Romans 1 and in Romans 3, and as he speaks in the book of Galatians, he's, he's talking about trying to get there by yourself whatever law you're trying to obey. Um, for him, it was the law of Moses. Um, for us, it may be a different law, a, a kind of obedience that we have, that we point to our own righteous actions. This morning in the sermon at West Irwin Church of Christ in a What I Believe and Why series, I spoke about biblical morality and the and the call to live a righteous moral life. And that is exactly how, what we're called to do. And we should not be shy about that. We should be willing to do our very best to live that way and to do our very best to share what that looks like from God's word. But we do that from a perspective of humility, from a perspective that acknowledges our own humanity that says, I, I haven't done this perfectly in my life. The good news as we share that for others is that they don't, they don't have to come to God perfect either, any more than we did, but that 
the righteousness that comes from God rather than ourselves can cleanse us of our sins and, and allow us to be able to live, allow us to be saved because of the blood of Jesus Christ and allow us to be raised from that baptism as Paul talks in Romans 6 and in Colossians 2 to live a new life, a different life, a life that still isn't perfect and sinless, but a life that is given over to seeking to please God and honor and glorify him in all that we do. For Paul, that was the choice between hanging on to that limb of his own righteousness and letting go and being willing to trust 100% in the righteousness that comes from God, the righteousness that is truly righteousness. And that's what he chose. And so we read that as we continue that passage in Philippians 3, starting in verse 7. He looks back on that righteousness that came from imperfectly keeping the law. And he says this, Philippians 3, 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul begins by speaking of his own circumcision, his own Jewish heritage, his own service to the law, and secondly, by taking great pride in that. But then as these verses continue this passage at the beginning of Philippians 3, starting in verse 7, he adds something else. He speaks about righteousness, God's, not mine, the righteousness that comes from God, not Bill's, not yours, not even the Apostle Paul's, the righteousness of God that comes by faith. It is a circumcision of the heart. And the Old Testament spoke about that when Jesus is on that road to Emmaus and he's talking to those two disciples. As Luke records in Luke 24, after his crucifixion and resurrection, but before he ascends to the Father, they, they say, weren't our hearts burning inside of us as, as he told us the story and as he opened up the Old Testament, what we would call the Old Testament scriptures to explain and to demonstrate that what happened to him is exactly what was supposed to happen. I think this is part of what they were saying, that circumcision is of the heart, that God looks to us. And we see that in great Bible passages in, in the Old Testament such as Deuteronomy 30 and, and Jeremiah 31, that great passage that where God says, there's coming a day when um, everyone will know about me and it'll be something that they follow from their hearts, not the law on tablets of stone, but my law, which is written in their hearts. Well, that's what Paul came to believe. And also he came to accept 
It is that gospel that we read about in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says this, beginning in verse 14, I am obligated both to Greeks or Gentiles and non-Greeks or Jews, both to the wise and the foolish. That's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you at Rome in the capital of the empire of the first century. Romans 1 verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Quoting from that great passage in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, my righteous ones will live by faith. The ones who are righteous by faith, Paul says, are the ones who will live, not the ones who achieve righteousness on their own, that is, incomplete and not enough because their lives are not perfect. Their obedience isn't perfect. They don't live a sinless life, but they can live a faithful life. Paul says, that's the kind of life I chose. That's the kind of righteousness I chose. Not the one that comes from my own self and my own obedience, but the righteousness that is by faith from first to last, A to Z, beginning to end. And so he has that great passage after declaring all under sin. There is none righteous, not even one, Romans 3 tells us. But then he says this in verse 21 of Romans 3. Now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Why, Paul? There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. There's no difference. This gospel is for all because all have sinned. Because no one can receive that righteousness from God by themselves on their own. Their righteousness is incomplete. It's not enough. But they can receive the righteousness that comes from God, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. And Paul himself will declare in Romans chapter 6 that the response of faith is what allows us to receive that great righteousness of God. Because he says we die to sin, we are buried with Christ through baptism into death, and we're raised to live a new life. A life of righteousness, not our own, but the righteousness of God. That's what he had come to believe. That's what he had come to accept. And that's how he had come to live. As he declares in Philippians chapter 3, this righteousness of God that comes by faith. He says it's, it's God's righteousness, not mine. I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, he says in verse 8, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, verse 9, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes by faith. That's the kind of righteousness that Paul decided he wanted, and so he gave up all of those things he was so proud of. He let go of that limb that he had held on to his entire life, that he thought had served him really well 
until he came face to face with true righteousness on that road to Damascus that day, until he came face to face with the Son of God himself. Paul speaks about this great righteousness throughout the book of Galatians, but especially, I think, in chapters 2 and 3. As he says, we can't, we can't be righteous enough, we can't be obedient enough, we can't obey enough laws to cover one single sin in our lives. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. And so Paul was willing to let go of the lamb. He was willing to let go of what was comfortable to him. Verse 7, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Not just knowing about God, but knowing God. Not just hearing about it. Job kind of referred to that at the end of his experience with God. When the Lord came to him, Job put his hand over his mouth and said, hey, I, I spoke out of line. I, I uh, had no business <laughs> questioning God. And yet God tells him, get ready for round two. And he gives him round do, two. And at the end of round two, Job says, hey, I, I, I thought I knew you, but I didn't. And I repent in dust and ashes. Knowing God is an incredible, tremendous thing, the greatest thing that can happen to us in this life. Paul thought he had that, but he, he knew in his heart he didn't. And when he came face to face with faithful love, perfect, pure love, Jesus Christ himself resurrected from the dead, he knew that he couldn't trust in himself any longer. He knew that he had to let go of the limb, but he also knew that it would be worth it. It would be worth it. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to let go of the limb? Are you willing to stop trusting in yourself, to stop trusting in your own righteousness that is incomplete at best, and to let go of that limb and to trust completely in God? You must decide, do you want your own righteousness or do you want the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith? Paul recognized that it was God's righteousness, not his, that he truly wanted. And he tells us that in the last two verses of this passage in Philippians 3, verses 10 and 11. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. We used to sing that verse, verse 10, in a song, I want to know Christ and the power of his rising. That's such a wonderful song that's taken right out of Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, where Paul says, look, everything that I had, everything that I trusted in, I gave up. I let go of the limb because I wanted to know Christ, to know Christ, not just to know about him, but to be in relationship with him because of his blood that cleanses us from our sins. It's worth everything in this world that I have to let go of, whatever that is, whatever that is. Holding on to some of those things we talked about in the sermon this morning, that biblical morality that, that calls us to let go of certain aspects of our life that are not pleasing to God, that he calls sin. No matter what the culture calls it, no matter what society views it as, 
God calls it sin. And so we, we realize that, that that sin may be hard for us to let go of, but we're willing to do it. Why? Because like Paul, we want to know Christ. We want to know the power of his resurrection. We want him in our lives. We want the righteousness that comes from God. There is a big difference between knowing Christ and knowing about Christ. For many of us, we know about him. We can study the Bible. We can quote the verses. We can find the passages. We can win the arguments. But that's not the same as knowing Christ. Knowing Christ is letting go of the limb. Knowing Christ is trusting 100% in the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith through Jesus Christ rather than our own. Do you want to know Christ so much that you are willing to let go of the limb of your own righteousness, that you're willing to no longer take pride in yourself, to take pride in your obedience, but to hold on in faith to the sacrifice of Christ. That's why he came. He came because our righteousness isn't enough. And he came to give us that choice to let go of the limb of our own righteousness and to trust 100% in him because that voice from heaven still says the same thing. I'm here. Who are you? I'm the Lord. And I'll save you. But on one condition, you have to let go of the limb. Paul said it was worth it. Knowing Christ was worth it. I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection. Yes, participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, death to sin, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I hope that today you will choose the righteousness of God over whatever kind of righteousness on your own that you're holding on to. It's worth it. What is keeping you today from trusting 100% in the righteousness that comes only through Jesus Christ? Knowing Christ is worth the price. Let go of the land.